Happy Wednesday. Thank you for being back with us today for another episode of Wellness Wednesday Inspiration. My name is Fernanda. I'm here with Dr. Linda, and we have a wonderful, interesting, amazing, knowledgeable, knowledgeable guest today. Super excited about having Dr. Jeff with us, and Dr. Linda is going to do uh, an introduction. But today's topic is a different approach to overcoming mental adversity. And I think we all have been in those situations where something's happened in our life and many, many times we find it difficult to overcome certain things. And today it's all about how to overcome any type of mental adversity, any type of adversity in life and how to really regain that mental balance. So Dr. Linda, how are you doing today? I'm great. Happy Wednesday. Always good to be here with you. And you know, it's my favorite day of the week <laughs> because you and I get to chat and we get to learn from our guests and even from each other. So I'm really excited about being here and, you know, kind of storming the, the warm weather here. I know we had a monsoon this past weekend. You probably did too, right? In your area. I did. There was a lot of rain. So, yeah, so um, we're kind of loving the cooler weather right now. So I'm good if it stays less than 108. I know that sounds hot for some people, but we're pretty happy here in the desert if we stay below 108. It's, um, it's awesome. So, well, I'm excited about today's guest, and you personally got to meet him, which I'm a little bit jealous, but I feel like just before even just getting on here, just chatting that. Uh, we're like three peas in a pod, because <laughs> what we'd love to do. But our guest today is Dr. Jeff McNary, and he's very seasoned at what he does, definitely. I mean, he has 30 years of experience in mental health, especially working with women with sexual abuse, um, acute psychiatry, um, drug and alcohol abuse, which, you know, all of these are very rampant. Um, he worked for UCLA Medical Center. He even from there with the doctorate of psychology and also has a master's in public health. So very seasoned at what he does. And um, currently what's exciting, he's the chief medical officer of Rhythmia. And Fernanda was just there and she shared a little bit in previous podcasts that I really want to get into that today because it is a different approach on how you work with, um, you know, mental health and sometimes mental health has a stigma, but mental health really is just overall health of our mind. We'll let Doc really dig into that, but working with plant medicines I know has been very instrumental in my own life and a lot of people that I love and care about. So I'm excited to dig in with this with um, Dr. Jeff. Yes, you want to bring him on? <laughs> Jeff, thank you for being with hey, us. Doc. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to meet with you. Thank you. Thank you. And Dr. Jeff, I, I do want to ask you, back in 30 years ago when you started kind of going to school and figuring out what you wanted to do, what prompted you to go on the field of mental health, especially specializing in the fields that you specialize in? I mean, when people are in alcohol and drug, um, when people are had experiences of sexual abuse, you can say that a lot of those people have uh, hit rock bottom. And it's, you know, a lot of people have con considered them challenging as a society in general. So what made you kind of just decide to go and specialize in those fields? I started off my uh, education 
doing uh, medical anthropology. So that was a really interesting degree because I got to see that healthcare is much more than just a symptom. It has to do with culture, uh, social stigmas, um, belief systems, uh, regions of the world. And, and I studied uh, indigenous Latin American ethnobotany at the time. So I got to see uh, Latin American culture from a medical perspective and how uh, different indigenous groups looked at the way that the illness is defined. And so what I was noticing in the Western model that I was in when I was studying at UCLA and other schools that I was, I was getting my degrees, they weren't looking at the whole, the whole person. They were just looking at symptoms and then treating those things. And I understand that's an approach of the West because of liability and capitalism and all the reasons we know that that's the way it goes, but it wasn't satisfying for me as a, as a, as a student to see that nothing was really changing. And so that's what kind of set the stage for me to go into these different areas of, of patient, sort of the kind of patients I like to work with and the type of approaches that I took, which were uh, at the time, not really that orthodox, you could say. <laughs> so when you were younger, did you know that you wanted to get into medicine or did you just, you enjoyed, um, just being around people, helping people. Were you one of those kids that everyone went to when they had a challenge and you kind of try to figure things out for them? Yeah, what was, I was that like? <laughs> in my neighborhood, I was definitely the the empath of the of the group who would help mm -hmm. people. And I, I grew up in a, in a very rough part of Los Angeles back in the 70s. Mm -hmm. And right now it's not so rough, but it was really rough when I was a kid and mm -hmm. I had to stay safe. And so I learned how to stay safe by taking on other people's sort of burdens and energy and, and connecting with them. And that was a, a defense tactic that I didn't know I was even doing at the time because I was just a kid. But I, that it developed into this, this sort of practice of caring for other people and really connecting with them on an authentic level that I didn't really fully understand until probably five years ago. Wow. You mentioned about the study of Latin American cultures and cultures in general when it comes to different ways and approaches to medicine. One has been the most uh, eye-opening thing that you have encountered with seeing medicine through the lens of different cultures and how different cultures approach healthcare in general. Mm -hmm. Something that I really love about the cultures that we're dealing with now with this indigenous Latin American plant medicine, and also just my own background in Latin American studies and healthcare is all, we believe, and I've, I believe a lot of the indigenous groups that I work with believe that all illness, all discontent, all addiction and things that go on in our lives are a result of being disconnected from yourself. And so society is, has moved towards disconnection and and being not plugged into yourself as an individual and the, and the reason for this is because governments and big businesses especially pharmaceutical industries and things like that they want to be able to provide a service for you they want to be able to guide and take you down certain roads sometimes not for the benefit of you and it's to sell products and it's to kind of um it's just how the system works for uh, it, it takes away individuality. And so what I've learned about with indigenous groups I work with and also with the plant medicine I'm doing and also Latin American culture in general is that plugging into yourself and being connected to yourself means that 
you're actually grounded in who you are and you see things for what they are. You're, you have better discernment and you're not at a, a, a point of dis-ease. You're at a point of ease. And that's how you can stay healthy and you can honor your true self. So that's a big part of how I've always approached healthcare, even though I was in these systems that weren't really allowing it too, too frequently. But I knew in the back of my mind, that was my goal. And I had to kind of go through, jump through the hoops per se, you know, of getting my clinical hours and getting my degrees and all that kind of stuff, where I had to sort of play the systems game, but then get to a point where I could make a shift and hopefully help a lot of people in, in a way that's really meaningful. So you spent like, you've been in the in the health field for 30 years, but the last five years you've been at Rhythmia, and I definitely want to hear more about that. But for those 25 years and practice and having to follow guidelines from insurance companies in order to get reimbursed, because unless you go out of the system and have like a concierge practice, then it's a little bit difficult because it's almost like you have to follow a script right yes. and, and how you even talk to patients and not even you can't even entertain certain ideas that um you know that you can like with latin america in the latin american cultures and having experience you know doing some work in ecuador and peru and and um, working with healers in mexico it's so different yes. so how how did you like what did you do that was i'm sure i could just tell like if i had a problem and I needed to talk to a doc, I'm like, you'd be the guy that I would call. And that for somehow I know that I would get some answers and just yeah. feel more calm and have a and have a plan. How did you navigate all that with knowing that there was something beyond just what you could give them at that point? Yeah, well, first of all, it was extremely frustrating to, <laughs> to, to begin with. <laughs> um, luckily, the types of patients that I worked with were uh, very open-minded people. Um, I consider so-called addicts to be some of the most emotionally in tune and sensitive people on the planet. Mm. And women that have sexual trauma are looking for empowerment. So they are uh, very much eager to have success and move forward in ways that they can feel safe and be back to feeling uh, like they can control their lives in a healthy manner. So um, in the acute psychiatric people, I believe are shamans actually. So, oh. <laughs> um, I look at them very differently. I don't look at uh, my inpatient schizophrenic guys as uh, something horrible that they have. I look at them like they're very insightful and they're very connected. Now they're in a system that doesn't benefit them for sure. And we have to help them succeed mm. in that system. Absolutely. So there's some logistical things that of course, practical things you have to do, but it was my approach that I had and the view that I had of my patients. I did not view them as ill. I did not view them as lost causes. I didn't ever view, not one patient that I ever worked with that I ever think, this person will never get better. I never thought that, ever. And what I noticed around me was there was a lot of that type of thinking going on. And, and clinicians, because they get burned out of the system they're in, they just kind of go through the motions and they're just, it's so, it just becomes routine. And when you're in a healing center, a rehab, a hospital, a, a practice, and the, the actual clinical staff don't have confidence in your healing, you're not going to get healed. It's, or it's, it's very hard to. And so I just always had a different approach in myself to how I viewed my, my patient population. That was kind of the, the, the platform that I would, that helped me get to where I'm at now. 
So you saw the possibilities instead of well, how everyone sees limitations and diagnosis and puts a name on them and labels them. When, you, when you're labeled, you're limited. When right. you're not, you're unlimited. And I think that's, that's awesome. I would take like um, unorthodox approaches for some things that I could within reason. Like if I have at one time in the drug and alcohol place, I had um, a lot of patients who were kids going in and out of jail. And so we would approach them in a, in a way of to like how to stay safe in jail, but then also how to come empowered and not do longer sentences. So I just was always kind of, it was a combination of harm reduction, but with actually validating the person and who they were as an individual. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And that's just, uh, that, that's just to show that perception, your perception really can influence not not only your own outcome in anything that you are in, but also somebody else's outcome. The, you know, Definitely. especially if it comes from someone who they perceive as uh, someone that has a position of power. And as in the traditional medicine, Western medicine, when doctors say, well, you don't have any cure, you have to take this medication for the rest of your life, you only have six months to live, that's the power that it's being taken by the, by the client or by the um, uh, patient, and they believe those, those things that are being said or those things that are being presented to them. So by you presenting Definitely. something different, by you presenting a different situation or a, dis- a different possible outcome, it changed also the outcome that they would have for themselves. And yes. I do want to ask you, you mentioned the disconnect and all diseases and everything happens from that disconnect. How do people get disconnected with themselves? Most people will have this disconnect occur for the first time between the ages of two and seven years old. And this is uh, not just a concept that we discuss at Rhythmia, but it's something that's pretty widely accepted within psychiatry and psychology and also sort of mental health in general is that there was either either a traumatic event or a traumatic environment or a misunderstanding that a child has that they learn in that moment that they have to take care of themselves emotionally or that they have to show the world a different version of themselves in order to stay safe. So an example of this would be Like, let's say I don't get any attention from my caregivers for whatever reason. Let's say it's not abusive. It's just abandoning. Well, I learned that if I start to to be silly and make everybody laugh, that I get the attention I need. And so I learned this at age four. And then I'm always silly. I'm always the fun guy. I'm always the interesting, silly jokester. And I use this. It starts to develop and it becomes my personality. But it's really not who I am. It's something I had to use to get an emotional connection with my caregivers, which is so developmentally important. And that's, that's a nice example of something like that. Whereas other people, you know, they go into drugs, they go into bad behaviors and, and we show the world something. It's our ego that is kind of masking our true self, you know? And so that's, that's something that happens to everybody. And some people it happens very dramatically because of like serious trauma or abuse. And others, it's not so bad because let's say caregivers were amazing, but they just were busy working and a nanny raised them, for example. So there's just different sort of scenarios that occur. So how do you how do you dig into something like that? At two to, from two to seven, there's a lot of people that don't even remember. I don't know if it's intentional. Sometimes it's their intentional blocked memories and 
working from a, a Western medicine perspective compared to something as extreme, which I think is amazing plant medicine, specifically um, ayahuasca. I mean, just two different extremes. And I mean, how do you how do you figure that out? I know uh, we want I want to talk about the plant medicines for sure, but mm -hmm. what about when just in traditional medicine? Um, yeah. How do you pull that out of a person? <laughs> well, I think what happens is uh, what I've come to understand by working with so many people over the years is that, especially with trauma people, is that during a traumatic uh, era or a traumatic moment, there's emotions present during those traumatic times that get in the way of behaviorally surviving that, that event. So if I'm being abused, my fear is crippling me. So I have to push my fear away or let's say my anger that I might feel being abused, I, that's not going to be received well. It's going to cause more abuse. So I push that away. And I push these emotions into the amygdala part of the brain that stores our subconscious processes. And then I go about my life. I'm not five anymore. I'm 25. I'm 30. I'm 40. And those emotions are influencing my day-to-day my -day through the prefrontal cortex, which is my conscious, logical, rational self, without me being aware of them and I don't trust people, and I pick poor relationships, and I have low self-esteem, and I'm always searching for something that I never can quite find. And that, then I go, okay, oh, something's, something's wrong, or I start to develop a drug or alcohol issue, and then I go to therapy, or I try some techniques, methods, you know, antidepressants, you name it. And what I might hopefully learn is that I have some unresolved trauma. I have things that are influencing my life now that I need to work on. But the problem with that is how do you get to those emotions? How do you get to them in a safe way? Because if I'm going to do, if I'm the patient, I'm going to receive trauma therapy. Well, I better trust my caregiver. I better trust my therapist. I better trust this group home that I'm in or this rehab. It's hard to do that in a quick way. I had a lot of patients of mine that had trauma from childhood. that took them five years to actually lower their guard and connect in a therapy session with me. I, it was, that's way too long. That's just way too long. We got to have something quicker. But how do you how do you help people feel safe and to be vulnerable when being vulnerable meant danger, right? So there's this hard. It's very very complicated. And that's where uh, meditations come in and hypnotherapy can be helpful. And there's these other things that are kind of a little bit more uh, work on the subconscious level that we all know are available to us a little bit more. So now, thank goodness. But um, they're expensive. They're hard to access for most people, and most people just don't even believe them anyway, right? So it's like a niche community that really has the, the patience or the access. You mentioned about the disconnect. I, I want to go back to that because I think it's important. And a question came to me. What about the person who comes to you, and or maybe he wouldn't come to you, because what about the person that has the perfect life? In, quote, I love unquote, right? Yeah. It's perfect, perfect parents, perfect environment, all kinds of things happened. Would they, are they disconnected? And so how would the disconnect happen? And how would that person even know that they're disconnected? If in their minds, their perception is that everything in their life was like rainbow and, you know, blue skies. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. And we've had a few of those people here at Rhythmia, actually. <laughs> And they're usually here supporting a family member and they're not here for themselves. Right. <laughs> and those types of people um, often don't make it into therapy. But if they did, if they did, uh, 
Uh, and if they came to Rhythmia, for example, what they would see is that, hey, they, they might have a great life. They might be really happy. And that's great. But self-awareness and progression of, of, of knowledge and connection is, is an eternal, infinite process, in my opinion. And so you can always become more grounded. You can always tap into more self-awareness. You can always become full of more love, right? So there's all these, there's always these things you can always work on. And it doesn't mean you have to be broken and at your wits end, suicidal, you know, none of that, none of that has to be the picture for, for everybody, but there's an infinite wealth of knowledge and self-awareness that can occur through these methods that, that we're talking about. Wow. That's really, that's really powerful when, because we all have some sort of challenge within us <laughs> and sometimes we're looking for everything outside of us. So mm -hmm. how is this really different now that you're primarily working with plant medicines and overseeing that and working with people who maybe have gone the traditional way and like you're saying, you know, this is taking too long. I just don't get it. Can you explain a little bit of, you know, why this became, you know, for you, it's like an aha moment, probably that plant medicines, like this is what I want to work with and how I want to help people. Because I always believe that when you're in the healthcare field and you go into the field with the right intentions, especially when you're a healer, you never retire, so to speak. Correct. You're always going to be helping people because it's a calling. That's right. That's right. Well, what's interesting is people have always asked me, especially like later in my career, they, they say, you must have an amazing life because you're a psychologist and, and you've worked with so many people and you, you've, you know, you've helped so many people. It's like wrong. I, I don't, I have the same issues. Everybody else has, I have the same mm -hmm. struggles in the same, and they say, well, why, why can't you use the same techniques or advice on yourself that you use with everybody? I said, because I'm not my own therapist. I need another person to, to work with me. And so that's what's beautiful about plant medicine is that you become your own therapist. And that's why it's so empowering. Because like you mentioned with uh, external sources of, of change that are needed in the Western model, you know, external specialists, external meds, mm -hmm. external environments. And if, and if that stuff is positive and helpful, then the, the assumption is we will change within. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, um, but not necessarily, right? So we have to change within. And how do we do that in a safe way? Well, if I can sit with myself and have a mirror image of me and talk to myself and give advice, that's really powerful. And that's what happens mm -hmm. with, with the plant medicine and the program that we're doing here at Rhythmia. And there's a lot of things that do that. Breathwork does that. Meditation does that. Mindfulness does that. There's a, there's a lot of things that can do that, not not just plant medicine, but it's a, there's a lot of avenues to achieve that. The plant medicine just work faster. Yes. You know, it seems like yeah. the, um, we were talking about that, um, Fernanda and I, because I had told her, yeah, I've worked with the plants years ago. And then recently we both gone, had gone to a, a retreat and it was a meditation retreat. And, and I loved it. However, we say that the meditation, um, hypnosis, because we're hypnotizing ourselves, I think, on a daily basis with our conversations and our words, it seems like those take longer, whereas the medicines are just 
bam, they just hit you right between the eyeballs and show you <laughs> what you need to know. And at this moment, and sometimes you you go and you're trying to fix something that you're not there to fix that something else shows up in your life, yeah. you know, to fix. So I know that it's such a big, there's just a different spectrum of how quickly you can, you know, you can get into the challenges. So what would you say for a person that maybe can't, you know, work with the medicines? What I always recommend is that if they can do uh, halotropic breath work, that is very fast too and effective. Now there's certain mm -hmm. uh, medical conditions that prevent people from doing breath work as well. So we, what we're noticing is if people have a seizure disorder that could be problematic with mm -hmm. breath work or if they have certain heart conditions that could be problematic. So you have to obviously check with your doctor first on anything like that. But breath work is something that's very, very, very effective um, that if people that can't do, don't have access to plant medicine. Okay. Dr. Jeff, how how does that work? Can you explain a little bit about how, from the moment someone decides to do ayahuasca and actually do it, how does it help healing trauma or even physical ailments? How is it that the mm -hmm. plant medicine heals? Well, on the medical side, which is what I study a lot, and then I've learned from the shamanic side, the spiritual side by being here in Costa Rica, with all these amazing shamans, the medical side, um, there is not a lot of studies done because ayahuasca is a schedule one substance in most of the world. However, there are some really good studies and I've been able to found, find about 13 of them. There are peer reviewed journal articles and legit studies that are done. There's a couple new ones out this month that are really good too. And so what, what's being shown medically for healing is that ayahuasca is antiviral, it's anti-inflammatory, it's antibacterial, it's antifungal. It also activates T cells because T cells, which are our immune systems uh, cells that fight off infection, they have a, a port on them for a serotonin molecule to click into, which activates them. Dimethyltryptamine, which is the active ingredient in ayahuasca, DMT, looks almost identical to serotonin and it has a similar organic structure chemically. And that can also click into the same port that the, for the T cells to activate them. So people can cleanse their bodies of illnesses. We've, we've, uh, we've had guests report that their uh, autoimmune disorders much dramatically reduced or even went away. And there's this overall health uh, feeling, clarity, eyes become bright white. There's a lot of like health related things that can help. With ayahuasca, it pulls mercury out of bones, which is like unheard of. They don't have any cure for mercury poisoning when it gets to your bones. So this is an amazing sort of medicine on a health level, as well as a spiritual psychological level. That's powerful. Would love to. I would love for you to share with me some of those studies. I'm such a geek when it comes to looking at, and especially with. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Especially because with a, a lot of the research um, out there, it's done on, on mice and, you know, very controlled study. And it's like as humans, it's really difficult to do a study because you can't control humans, what they're like, they're trying to do now and Correct. create separation <laughs> with vaccinated, unvaccinated, masked, unmasked type of thing. But it's very difficult because we're, we're always changing. Correct. There's a there's a brand new study out that shows that's looking at 
uh, gene expression and epigenetics regarding ayahuasca, which is really exciting. Wow. We could dig into that. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to see the results. Can you tell us a little bit more about Rhythmia? What is Rhythmia? What can someone expect to go? Where is it located? How do you get there? How many days? All of the information <laughs> about what sure. is it about? What is the day-to-day -day consist of? Well, um, just to kind of start that off, it's like the reason we even exist is because the CEO and I went to a place in Costa Rica that was uh, not, it wasn't a, a medical facility. It was just a house up in the, up in the mountains. And it was a beautiful experience with the medicine and the shaman was amazing, but it wasn't a safe or medically sound <laughs> or even clean place. So we wanted to have a place that was legal, safe, medically supervised. And so that's why we opened this place. And it took us a couple of years to really get the license going. But we have medical doctors here, nurses, paramedics, EMTs, tons of medical staff. Who, but tell you the truth, they're actually quite bored most of the time because it's such a safe medicine and it's such a, a, a great staff that they, they just play dominoes most of the day. They're just, they're not doing much, you know, which is good news, actually. So uh, when people come here, they have to be medically cleared beforehand. And when they book their stay, they're on the phone call with a, rep, a representative of ours and they go back and forth with myself and Dr. Arturo about certain health conditions or med, med issues the certain meds they have to be off of. And we just kind of talk to them about their overall health before they get here. Then we clear them, then they fly down and we're located in Liberia airport of Costa Rica is where they fly. And then we're about an hour south of there on the Pacific side near Tamarindo is a little town. And it's in the state of Guanacaste, it's a blue zone. So blue zones are really healthy regions of the world where the air is clean, the water's clean and there's certain rights of animals that are awesome. And it's just like a healthy place. And then they check in on a Saturday or a Sunday and they stay for a week. And they leave the following Saturday or Sunday. And we do another medical triage sort of physical here when they arrive. And we have all for the COVID time. We have all the COVID uh, protocols in, in place. We test people when they get here and they immediately go into a breathwork session that evening. And that sets the stage to help them ground and connect and sort of begin to process what they're here for. Then Monday morning, first day, we have, a, we have a class that helps them set intentions, explains what the plant medicine will be like, gives them pointers, clues on how to guide the ceremony for themselves. And then they have four ceremonies, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night. And during the daytime, they're resting and getting massages, eating super healthy organic food that, that follows the dieta, which is the way to eat to prepare for the medicine. And they're also in, in meditations and they have yoga every morning. And then after they have their fourth ceremony on Thursday, then they go to more breath work on the weekend, Friday night, and Saturday night, and then they usually leave on Saturday night or Sunday. And so during that week, there's lots of support. There's lots of holistic staff. If there's something that escalates, you know, emotionally, we have a team ready to talk and do, do sessions with them. So it's like a really safe container. It's clean. It's safe. It's 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 beautiful. You know, you've been down here. You know, Fernando, you were here, right? So, uh, you saw how how clean it was. It's awesome. Yeah, and we're right by the beach. You know, we get the ocean air, and uh, we have different kinds of rooms depending on the what you want to price you want to pay. And 
and the Maloka where we have the ceremonies is beautiful and it's safe and everybody has their own area and their own mattresses. There's plenty of restrooms and it's just a great setup. I mean, there's, it is the four seasons of ayahuasca, you could say. <laughs> and that sounds who, amazing. <laughs> I wanted to say, who is ayahuasca not for? Aside from like medical, if, if you're not clear, of course, if you have a medical condition and you cannot participate, but who would not benefit from ayahuasca? Would anyone benefit from it? People that would not are people that have uh, certain psychiatric issues. Those are those are kind of the only people that wouldn't benefit from it because it, it could escalate them and make them a little bit more psychiatric. So there's a few diagnoses that that would not be appropriate for that. And then um, people that have, uh, again, other, I'm thinking of other diagnoses. It's kind of more psychological, psychiatric stuff. But as far as health related, if people are healthy everyone will benefit from it if they're healthy, in my opinion. Great. So I'm taking uh, notes on all this. <laughs> if anyone wants to find out more information about you, about Rhythmia, about ayahuasca, about mental balance, anything like that, where can people find you? If they go to Rhythmia LAC or Rhythmia Life Advancement Center, or they just search Rhythmia on the web, we have a website. We also have a Facebook page and we have an Instagram page. And in the Facebook, Instagram, and our website, there's all the information about what we're doing down here, how to get a hold of us, how to book a week, and how to prepare for the, the week long stay, what to bring, how to eat. And also, uh, we talk about the meds. If you have to come off of certain ones, then we refer you back to your prescribing physician and we will talk to you about different, different things. So, the web, the, the website, Facebook, and Instagram are the best ways to get a hold of us. Wonderful. And we have a question from someone in the audience. What about panic or anxiety attacks? And I think the question is more about whether or not that would be an, influ like an, uh, an influence against being able to participate, or would it help also? Well, some people will have panic or anxiety attacks based on a bipolar 1 diagnosis. And some people will have panic attacks or anxiety attacks without a bipolar diagnosis. So what I'm looking for for them is a level of serotonin that might be uh, very elevated on a consistent basis. And that's usually a bipolar one diagnosis. So if people occasionally have panic attacks, but they have, they're in a, they have a career or they have a, you know, they're functioning, high functioning people and they're just they're not on meds necessarily for it, or maybe they take an as needed benzodiazepine to help them in those moments. Um, those are people that we can absolutely work with. If someone has a bipolar one diagnosis and they're mostly in a manic elevated state, those, those people are usually on mood stabilizers that bring them down into a healthy range of behavior. And it's, it's too risky for them to come off those meds, which are contraindicated with ayahuasca to come and do the program. So, but um, we like to go a case by case basis. So if someone has occasionally a panic attack or just has anxiety, which a lot of us do, right? That's not so abnormal. Um, those are definitely things we can work with. And, and we have a, a suggestion sort of system that we can plug you into. Wonderful. Um, Barry, I hope that answered your question. Thank you for, for the question as well. And thank you, Dr. Jeff, for amazing amazing information i enjoyed read me very much coming from someone who just went 
I think less than a month ago, actually. Yeah, you were I just had, here. <laughs> we missed you. Yes, yes. <laughs> I had the experience of my life. It was amazing. And it's not just about the ceremonies, but everything that Ritmia has to offer from the food, the amazing food from Meg and the staff and just everything. It's, it's just wonderful. I, I, I'm going back and I know that and I'm, I'm calling it for next year. Early next year, I'm coming back. Excellent. Thank um, you. <laughs> I had a quick question for you, doc, Dr. Jeff. When you when you went and experienced it for yourself, was that like did that change your whole perspective how you were practicing um, you know, mental health when you went? I was yes. like, oh my gosh, this totally just blew the doors wide open for you. It was it, it was it was funny because Jerry, the CEO, was there with me and I was crying like in the early morning hours laying there and he comes up to me. He's like, what's going on? I said, I just wasted 18 years of my life going into debt, 250 K to be a psychologist. <laughs> this medicine works. It's 20 years of therapy in one night. That's what, that's what I said. Now, clearly I, the, I was in the moment. I didn't, I don't, I've definitely used my background in a great way. Right. But yeah. in that moment, it was, uh, it was so crystal clear to me that this was a, a huge tool that could be very beneficial to people. And I do say it's like 20 years of therapy in a, in a night. It really is like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh -huh. And and the beauty of it, what you mentioned earlier is I'm taking notes because it's been at least a couple of years since I've worked with the medicine, but just a reminder and thank you about the power of breath work. Mm -hmm. It's and huge. that can just be so powerful. And um, we had a gentleman who had, uh, you're probably familiar with Wim Hof and some of his work. We found um, a lot of his facilitators here uh, doing weeks of Wim Hof uh, ice plunges and breathing. Yeah. So, and that's super powerful. And I mean, that's something that you can learn and you don't have to go there. But I, I really believe that when you in, immerse yourself in a place like Rhythmia, I mean, it's just there to just, marinate you with love and just really have that transformation but also the support of others because you hear of stories and sometimes healing even occurs from just someone saying sharing something that happened through their experience there and I know that that happened with me something I shared with the group and it almost like gave permission to the other person to let go of something that they had been holding on to for years so it's just, it's amazing. And then people that are watching, I'm like, yeah, you have to go and ex experience it. But I definitely want to go and experience this in Costa Rica. It sounds amazing. So um, We'd love to have hopefully, you. I'll, hopefully I'll see you soon. That'd be great. And the, the energy of the group is so important. It's so important. That we, we see that every week happening. It's beautiful. Awesome. Yes. All right. Well, thank you so much. I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to add, Fernando or Dr. Jeff. I mean, this was awesome. Appreciate it very much. And um, yeah, anything else? <laughs> well, we we have um, what we one last thing I can say that I think it's important is we we have three main intentions that we teach the guests that are sort of umbrella intentions that cover usually all of the personal intentions they bring to the table. And they're very simple. And one of the first one is show me who I've become. And that's where we want to see this part we've been showing the world that's taken on its own life, right? We want to see that, like authentically see it. 
And then we want to, the second intention is merge me back with my soul at all costs. And that's the coming back together and the, the lack of dissociative abilities and it's coming back connected. And then the third one is heal my heart, which is getting all the, 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 the pain released and the trauma gone and the fear and the, all that stuff. And when people do this, we call it, they had a soul merger. And then they report on their survey when they leave, if they achieved this or not. And our average is about 95%. It's actually 96% to date for since we opened up as a company. So it's a crazy good success rate that I never thought was possible in healthcare. I'm used to like 12% success rate, you know, in my fields. But the, the amount of success that's happening here, self-reported, is mind-blowing. So we'd love to have everybody come down here and check us out. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. I love it. <laughs> I mean, you, you go with an intention and really, if you, if you're willing to participate, if you're willing to go with the program, if you're willing to open up and if you're willing to, to, to be vulnerable, there's going to be healing no matter what, but you're going to, you're going to come out a different person than when you came in. And I think everybody, whether they experience the, soul merger or they did not i can tell you that no i i think and dr jeff you can tell me nobody walks in the same person as they went i mean walk out the same person as when they walked in there is a change Correct. no matter what big or small but there is a change absolutely it's that's very true to the same person after you experience plant medicine and and that's yes. something that i can attest to as well and one more thing, Andrea was asking, will the episode be available to watch later? We post in YouTube. We also post it in the podcasting platforms, all of the major podcasting platforms, as well as on Facebook. So it will stay on Facebook, on Dr. Linda's page and my page. So it's always um, available to be watched at a later date. Uh, thank you, thank uh, you, thank you. <laughs> thank you. That was very nice. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Awesome. Thank you. And just, I, I, I think we don't want to let you go. <laughs> there is one more question. Sure. Would this be helpful for someone who is bipolar with infrequent manic episode once a year or two and is not medicated? If it's bipolar too, then it's not an issue for us and they can come. And we have to, again look at them individually and see when their latest attack was and how long it lasted. And there's a couple of questions we would investigate further on, but usually that's fine. And since they're not medicated, it's likely it's bipolar two, I'm assuming, and that's not a problem. Awesome. awesome. All right. Thank you so much, Dr. Jeff. Thank you, Dr. Thank Linda. You. It was an amazing Thank episode you. and we will see you all next week. All right. See ya. Bye. Bye.